Welcome to Unsung Heroes with Johnny, Daniel, James, and Sam. Our goal is to leave no hero unsung. Welcome back to the Unsung Heroes podcast. My name is Johnny. And I'm James. I'm Daniel. I'm Samuel. And this week, we have another unsung hero for you guys. Uh, actually, it's actually an unsung heroine. Um, and we have Samuel Hurd here to present her to us. Samuel, why don't you give us a teaser? All right. So today, the person we are going to be talking about is a woman from actually upstate South Carolina. She's from Lawrence County. Represent. I know, seriously. Um, and her name is Dicey Langston. So I'm looking forward to sharing her story with you guys. This will be a, it'll be a good time. Nice. And I said represent because we all went to the college that's literally how many minutes away from her area? It's, so she, um, I mean, Lawrence County is probably maybe an hour or so away from where we are right now, but she spent a lot of her life in Traveler's Rest, which is literally where I am right now. It's about 15 minutes oh. away from us. So. Yeah. That is yes. awesome. Were you planning on that, Samuel, when you no. found her? <laughs> so honestly, the way I um I found this person was I was I was trying to look up some research for this podcast and trying to figure out who to do. And I literally came across a list of spies during the Revolutionary War, which I mean, you don't usually think about spies outside of like the Cold War, I feel like, <laughs> typically. Right. That's all there was in or, the Cold War. I know. I, seriously, that's pretty much what it was. All the, all the people in the Cold War were yeah. spies. <laughs> they were all spies. Yeah. But I came across her name. I looked her up, and she was literally, it, it says she was from South Carolina. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. I read, she was buried in Traveler's Rest. And um, so I think, okay, I'm like 15 minutes away from her. And then I see that she has a monument in Tigerville Road. And I think to myself, I am literally living on Tigerville Road. So yeah. wow. you, it's like you, you look out in your yard, there's a monument. You're like, oh, how have I missed this all along? Where did this come from? Slowly <laughs> turns his head right out his window. Yeah. There's the monument. <laughs> yeah. So um, I felt like I had to do this. Um, I had to represent and talk about Dicey for a little bit. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's awesome. That's a pretty um, interesting name, D- Dicey. Was it like... Was that her name or was it like short for something? So funny thing is it's actually short for Laodicea, Man. Uh, which I believe was a uh, a biblical town. Um, I believe it was in Turkey. Is that right, Daniel? It is. And I actually visited that oh, place. My man. Yeah, it's it's not too far away from Ephesus, actually. So, so let's try to find out place. how many connections does this woman have to yeah. us? Because her name, right, is a city yeah. in Asia in Minor Turkey. at the time, but Turkey now. And then we have her from the place we're all from. Like, does she have like South African heritage? <laughs> Which wouldn't make any sense. But she uh, <laughs> speaks Russian. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she loves Biltong, maybe. <laughs> That's Johnny, by the way, for everyone. Yes. 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 So um, she does have um, just a lot of interesting connections, though. So I, yeah, I really did feel like I had to choose her and uh, just tell her story. She has a really good one. So I'm excited to share it with you guys. Yeah, well, that's Great. awesome. Well, we can't wait to hear about it. But first, I think we should talk a little bit about maybe how we define heroes and maybe unsung heroes. Yeah, 
I, I feel like we've had a hard time, or I maybe maybe this is just me, but the idea of a hero can be kind of hard to define or evaluate. Would you guys agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like that um, there may be times where this is a little bit subjective and you might, it's, it's hard to use that word, but. Um, yeah, I've, I've thought about that as well. Cause I've been trying to do a little bit of research for a hero for possibly the next episode after this one. And in doing research, it's hard, it's hard to say like, oh, this person was a hero when they were on, say, like one side of a war. And it's like, well, it depends yeah. on mm-hmm. who right, you exactly. ask. Like, yeah. I feel like there are times where we can all agree. Like if somebody, for example, uh, cured cancer or something like that, we would all agree that this person is a hero. Right, but when, yeah. Especially like in times of war, you have this question of, okay, is this person a hero? Uh, that's the case with Dicey for uh, her. She was considered a patriot in the American Revolution. So I just wonder, like, if we went back in time, how many people would actually consider her a hero? And I even wonder today, like, what do the British think about the American Revolution? I don't know. What <laughs> yeah, would you guys think? What do you, well, would you guys have <laughs> yeah, any insight I, I into that? Of like, yeah. I mean, I think it's always good to be helpful for us to nuance our definition of hero, you know, being this was a yeah. hero from this perspective because of these reasons. Um, and I, even also, I mean, I think that a part of being a hero is, you know, obviously there's going to be different perspectives on war heroes in particular, for example. Right. Um, but even then, I think it's good to find people who not only have, you know, war triumphs, but are also of notable character as well, right. if that makes any sense. You know, for Jack, of course, if you weren't on Jack's side, you probably wouldn't consider him a hero. Yeah. You know, Jack Churchill. Yeah. Uh, but I think he was an admirable man and he had a lot of good qualities about him. And I think that yeah. was also kind of what well, led me to think he was a hero. Yeah, you know? well, and with Jack, okay, let's say, for example, you weren't on Jack's side. You still have to give the guy props for riding a motorcycle and bow and arrow into battle. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that, playing that the takes something. But yeah. I, yeah, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. It just, it seems to me like as I was doing this research, this idea of an unsung hero and just a hero in general became more and more complicated as I was trying to figure out like who to choose and then uh, picking Dicey, like what about her made her so heroic. Um, yeah, well, and also the term unsung, I think we need yes. to define yeah. because some people like we discovered last week with Captain Robert Abram Bartlett, in their lifetime, they were pretty well uh, celebrated. Right. Mm. Uh, but today, maybe they aren't as well known. Or somebody who might be well known in another country uh, yeah. that we don't know very well in our country, I-, I think we need to decide, oh, is that still unsung? Or, right. you know, yeah. uh, obviously, if somebody literally has a song written about them, then they're, yeah, they're kind of <laughs> not as literally That's our, that's our sequel podcast I mean, our podcast is pretty literal, if you think about it. The whole premise of the podcast is yeah. this idea of literally <laughs> singing. singing. Singing about right. heroes, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, just to uh, give a point on that, I, I think in general, we can be pretty flexible about it, especially how we... Um, define how unsung somebody is, you know. I don't think we're going to limit ourselves if we find somebody who maybe in their lifetime was well-known or in another country is well-known. They have a really great story, but we don't want to to talk about them because they're already known. I I think we're going to be flexible and just say, well, you know, maybe give some different parameters for how unsung they are. Yeah, one thing to go along with that and to to bring to your attention before I start talking about Dicey is, um, 
Dicey really, her heroic actions were very limited in their scope and their like range of influence. Um, when you compare her to a lot of other heroes that we might talk about on this uh, on this podcast, um, I think we might, maybe I'll do this in a future episode, but there is, I'm thinking of one guy in the, in the Cold War actually who literally saved the entire world from mm. a nuclear catastrophe. Wow. Um, yeah, he, he, I don't want to give away this too much of the story, but he literally stopped a nuclear war from happening. So on one hand, you have this type of unsung hero who nobody knows about, but his range of influence was like quite wide, but Dicey isn't like that. Dicey was really, um, her actions were very heroic and I'm, I'm going to explain to you why hopefully, but, uh, they're very localized and they're very much Mm. focused on her family and how she went above and beyond in um, just her actions in regards to her family, to her neighbors. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's nice that you're going to talk about someone who has a smaller scale of their hero, heroness. Yeah. You know, because I mean, like you said, it could be someone who saved the world or it could be someone who did something to protect their family or their village. And you can't necessarily say that because the scale is much smaller that they didn't do heroic acts. Right. And I think it's nice too in this podcast to bring to light these people who, you know, did stuff that only affected small communities, but were heroes nonetheless. Right. And I think sometimes a lot of the influence that your heroic actions might have are not necessarily under your control entirely. Yeah. You know, I believe in the, the ability of us to have agency and to have influence and make our decisions, but uh, we have limited agency, meaning I can't, you know, do something right now today that's going to totally change the entire world right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean the heroicness required of me to perform certain actions are any less heroic. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. somebody might do something incredible for their context, but because of who they are, where they live, where they might be in history, they're not going to have massive repercussions yeah. reverberating throughout history, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah no, that's I, really true. And yeah. I think even those people deserve to be sung about. Yeah, and that's so right. That's what we <laughs> so will that's set out to do. that's why we are here. That's why we exist. It's a good segue. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, Sam, why don't you go ahead and tell us about uh, about Dicey so we can all uh, learn and sing about her eventually. So Dicey was, um, like I said, she's from Lawrence County, South Carolina, which is um, probably about 40 minutes away from Greenville. Uh, She was born in May of 1766. Uh, So if you think about that date and you think about the context of what's going on, uh, this is the the time in the United States or the British colonies at that point um, where tension is really starting to heat up. So um, the year before there was a stamped act that had been passed. Mm. Um, a lot of colonists were really just kind of beginning to resent uh, the British Parliament. Um, so there's just a lot of tension that's going on. Uh, it, we... One thing that I want to draw attention to before before I tell specifically about Dicey is we kind of have this assumption in our mind that uh, this the the American Revolution was a story of the Americans versus the British. The British tax the Americans and then the Americans get really mad. They unsubscribe. They, I don't know. They give <laughs> they, up. They leave the chat. They leave the chat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then suddenly the U.S. is a country. But the truth is, there are a lot of parts of it that were actually more like a civil war. 
And what I mean by that hmm. is there were, on one side, you had people called the Loyalists, which were um, the British uh, supporters. There were the Tories. There were actually American colonists who wanted to join the British. And then there was the other side that was called the Patriots. Um, they were also called the Whigs. Uh, so <clears throat> these two uh, these two groups obviously did not like each other at all. Um, mm. And in Dicey's context, when she was born, she was raised in a context that was primarily loyalist, um, mm. which means that the majority of her neighbors, even some of her relatives, were supporters of the British, uh, the British Army, the British Parliament. And this um, was in South Carolina, right? This was in South Carolina, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, but Dicey and her family, uh, especially her father, Solomon, they were ardent patriots. They were um, major supporters. They were vocal supporters. Uh, Dicey's brothers, in fact, at one point later on in her life, they went and joined uh, the Continental Army, which is So they were— You mean they were supporters of the American side, right? Right. They were supporters of the American side. Um, So, whereas the rest of her neighborhood would have been supporting the British, uh, she and her family uh, basically stood out. They just did not fit in. They were not um, a part of the majority in that sense. Um, So, like I said, Solomon... And his sons, they were, <clears throat> they basically, what they did was, uh, Solomon, or Dicey's brothers went and joined the army. So 1775 comes, the Revolutionary War begins, they join the army, and then Dicey, because she's young, because she's a woman at that point, she wouldn't have joined the army, she really can't help out. And obviously, she wants to follow in her brother and father's footsteps in a lot of ways and wants to help. Um, so instead of joining an army or something like that, what she decides to do, is she decides to start spying. As one does. Yeah, Wait. very naturally. So she started <laughs> spying just like on her own, not sanctioned by the military not, or anything? Not sanctioned by anyone. She decided... It's a freelance she, spire. She yeah. was, yeah, basically <laughs> freelance on her own individual spying corporation right there um wow it's private investigator right yeah there. <laughs> so keep in mind that private investigating uh, your plans you know <laughs> <laughs> so keep in mind that she was about i want to say about 10 or 11 when the war started so despite her age she really um she really just jumped in and it, it's quite incredible actually what she did um by the time she was about 15, what she was doing is she was going to uh, basically her neighbor's houses and just pretending to do chores. And what she would do is she would just look and overhear conversations. And then she would go 20 miles to a campground where her brother stayed. And she would just relay all of the information that she found out from her neighbors. So she would wow. do, would she go into her neighbor's homes for that? Yeah, basically, I mean, because this was a pretty small community, she had plenty of opportunities where she would just, uh, I, I don't know, you can imagine her just like hanging laundry on a clothesline or something like that. And people would just be gathered around talking and she would just kind of casually walk beside them or something like that. Wow. 
That's um, crazy. When I was 15, I was thinking I should probably drink less Coca-Cola and more water. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. She would just kind of casually walk uh, beside them, I can imagine, and just um, she would get all this information. But the crazy thing is that she would actually just travel to their campground and she would just relay all of the information she was told. Wow. That's interesting. You know, I, I've heard um, from my it's been a while since I've studied the American Revolution, unfortunately, but I've heard even the British themselves were banking on the idea that the southern states or the southern colonies at that time in general were perceived at least to be more uh, loyalist in their political right, leaders, yes, which huh. is actually part of their plan was to garner the support of the local loyalist south to help them easily take down the American Revolution. So I guess yeah. that she's living in that context in the south. I, that makes sense that a lot of her neighbors would actually be more loyalist. Yeah. She's kind of a valuable yeah. asset to just kind of be among the mm. people, hearing what's going on. You know, that, that's kind yeah. of an interesting idea. Oh, that actually makes it sense. Also, yeah, yeah, it makes and, sense that they would overlook her as well, like not worry about the spies possibly. Well, I mean, who's going to think of an 11-year-old girl spying on you? Yeah, I mean, you're not well, going to expect that. And I mean, I was going to say, like, these neighbors don't sound too bright because, you know, her father was a known... Uh, patriot of America <laughs> right. and they were all like gathering in the town square to talk about the, the, the wars do, you, do you know no. it's like what kind of information she'd have been getting from those conversations I'm sure it wasn't a ton but initially I guess. you know honestly it was enough for the loyalists to get really annoyed with her well with whatever was going on at this point because uh, they didn't know it was her that at that time um, that's so, so funny <laughs> you could just imagine like you're a loyalist in a majority loyalist community and you're starting all these plans and they just get thwarted somehow and you have no idea what is going on. <laughs> Meanwhile, this like 15-year-old kid is wandering, <laughs> folding her laundry right beside you. <laughs> this kid's got a lot of laundry. She keeps walking around <laughs> folding it. <laughs> anyway, back to our battle plans. Yeah. I love how we're reconstructing this whole entire scenario. It's just laundry. Like <laughs> it's always yeah, laundry that she's folding. It's always the laundry. <laughs> um, but... I mean, so eventually, I'm not I'm not sure exactly how long she was doing this. Uh, the research really didn't say how long she was doing it. Um, but eventually, what happens is the loyalists in the community, um, I mean, they they knew that it was coming from a patriotic um, person. And so they knew that they only had a handful of people that this could have been. So they eventually found out. Uh, that it was dicey because she would like go for several hours out of the time and she wouldn't come back. And so it just kind of narrowed down and they, they found out, oh. <clears throat> they found out that dicey was a person who was kind of uh, infiltrating yeah. their plans in a lot of ways. Wow. So um, what did they do to her after they found out? So here's what they did. They, they, a group of them went up to dicey's father, Solomon and they said, if your daughter continues to spy, uh, there will be serious consequences. And they just kind of left it at that. <laughs> but I think you could <laughs> fill Ominous. in the blanks. That's very dramatic. Instructions unclear. <laughs> Instructions unclear. <laughs> um, but it was serious enough that Solomon approached Dicey. They had a heart-to-heart. They had a, um, a, a serious conversation. And Solomon basically says, stop doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so Dicey, being the good child that she is, decides, okay, I'm done with this spying life. Um, or so we thought. Ooh. Well, thanks for the episode, Samuel. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. All right. And well, that is it. No. It's, the, it's the story of the most epic laundry girl ever. <laughs> the laundry. No. no. So uh, a few weeks go by, and 
she's been being an average kid for about three weeks. I don't know how many weeks, but um, a, a short amount of time passes. She's adjusting to civilian life again. You know, just, <laughs> like wow, the, the the spy life really took a toll. <laughs> she's like, well, am I supposed to just put up laundry without actually listening to someone? <laughs> um, but a few weeks go by, and um, so this is this is just wild to me. She accidentally overhears a conversation among a few of the Tories, a few, a few, um, few of the loyalists were gathering together and she accidentally overhears that a raid was being planned. So she and wasn't even trying to spy at this point. She wasn't even trying <laughs> to spy. She's so good, she doesn't even have to try. Yeah. <laughs> she was, yeah, she was literally that good of a spy. Or maybe the, um, the Tories were just that bad at hiding information <laughs> that uh, she finds out that there is going to be a raid but that is going to be completed by a group called the Bloody Scouts. Uh, and the, the Bloody Scouts were a group of Tory outlaws. They were a group of um, bloody loyalist scouts. <laughs> uh, criminals. Yeah, they were, they were Bloody Scouts. Um, they were known for being excessively violent to any of the patriots that were in the area. Um, mm. So their, their leader, who is uh, surprisingly called Bloody Bill Cunningham, uh, he was, he was mm. kind of their leader of the flock. To, to give you a picture of how violent this guy actually is, um, he, at one point he murdered a patriot captain while the captain was laying ill and bedridden inside of his home. Oh, man. Oh, man. oh come on, dude. Dicey better spy this guy up real good, yeah. man. Like, what is this? Go fold his laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Jeez. And if it, it would, to make it even worse, um, oh, there were two victims who were trying to escape uh, the house. And instead of letting them go free, uh, they he basically just decided he'd murder them as well. Oh, so, man. Mm. So she hears that the Bloody Scouts, led by Bill Cunningham, are about to go on a raid. And she hears that they're going on a raid uh, to take over a place called Little Eden. Mm. And Little Eden happened to be where Dicey's brothers were camping out. Oh, man. I know. So it was the place that she went to tell them the information? It was a place that she'd been going to tell them the information, wow. um, which was like 20 miles away from the plantation that Dicey had been living on. Mm. So she hears that. And then to make things, um, just to make things worse, she hears that this is going to happen the next day. Oh, <sighs> that's mm. intense, man. And she's 20 miles away. She's 20 miles away. Yeah. She hears that her brothers are about to be attacked by this a group of criminals. I don't know. What would you guys do? I, I just like thinking from my own perspective, I have no idea what I would want to do at that I mean, point. Do they, do they have a horse? Do they have a way you know, to get it's, word? It's I mean, funny. It's funny you say that. I'm remembering back to last episode with Captain Robert Abram Bartlett. Hmm. He and uh, Katek Tovic, you remember when uh, Daniel was talking about it, they had to walk for... 700 miles in, I think it was like 40 days, and it came out to 20 miles a day. Yeah. yeah. So Man. she's, we have like a common thread here. She's having to go 20 <laughs> miles in a day as well. That's right. 
So wow. weird. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe Captain Bartlett was inspired by Dicey's yeah. triumph. <laughs> he was like, um, come on, Captain Topic. If Dicey Langston can do it, <laughs> so can we. That's right. But at that point, I mean, her only option really was to just go the 20 miles because at this point she's surrounded by loyalists. Mm. Um, she really has nobody she can trust. Uh, this raid is going to be happening the next day. So really the only option for her was to go those 20 miles. As fast as she could, pretty much. As fast as she could, basically, mm-hmm. to warn them what was going on uh, to save her brothers and her um, her brother's band of troops. This is like marathon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Runs yeah. yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yeah. So that night, after everybody went to bed, uh, when it got dark out, to avoid suspicion, she snuck out of her house and she began to walk towards her brother's campground. Mm. Um, wow. In so in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, she like right after everybody had just turned off their do lights. Do you know if she walked their way or jogged some of it or ran? Do you do you know? You know, I I would assume that she ran, she walked, um, she did everything in between. Yeah. Uh, she was basically just trying to get walking, there as fast as she could. You could probably do 20 miles in like six hours maybe, yeah? Like six hour walking, walking yeah. pace. Yeah. I mean, that's, so I was interested in this. The average person can walk um, 20 miles in about eight or nine hours. Oh, even longer. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean... If you think about it, she starts maybe like nine or ten o'clock at night. Um, I mean, based off of those estimates, she'll probably get there like four, four or five o'clock in the morning. Uh, but you have to realize she's doing this at night. Yeah. Um, she's doing this in the cold, and you guys know South Carolina. South Carolina is full of forest, and it's full of swampland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so you could just imagine the... Do, do, do you know what time of year this was? No, I, I read somewhere that this was the middle of the summer. Um, another place I saw the spring. So the details on that might be hazy. So my best guess would be like maybe May, June or July. June, yeah. Yeah. Um, does she have a light source with her? You know, I would assume that she does. Um, but I also know... Maybe I haven't spent enough time like a wandering around in forests in the night, but <laughs> well, yeah. And some people, I mean, like just thinking, like, is there anything around that time period that people could carry with themselves easily? Like a lantern. You I know, think you. I, uh, well, and my some, guess is probably a lantern. Some people I know that sometimes when people were out at night at the time, they would just rely on the moonlight, which your eyes would adjust yeah. to. Well, that's the thing. You have to remember, there's no electricity, so there's yeah. it's very yeah. very dark, and your eyes will. If you have enough light from the moon, you'll be able to adjust decently. So you yeah. I guess see so. Enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So her eyes probably were adjusted to this, and she had done this so many times that she was familiar with it. That's true. She that's did. True. She did that's know true. like the path because she went. She went there a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. But one thing I did fail to mention earlier uh, is that on this twenty mile hike. There is a river right in the middle of it. Oh. Uh-oh. So she comes across this river, and we're not sure if this is the Ennery or the Tiger River. Um, it could have been either one. But she comes across it, and she realizes that it's flooded because of recent rains. Mm. So, I mean, at this point, like, I feel like I would just give up. I would be like, okay. I tried my best, but you know what? <laughs> my bro's going to die. A river is a river. <laughs> yeah, so it's even yes. harder to cross than the normal because she went before, right? And before it wasn't flooded. Right, before it wasn't flooded. So she would find um, 
a more shallow part. Uh, so what she did though, was she did try to find a shallow part and she, she goes into the river. Like I assume she usually did. <clears throat> um, but because of the heavy rainfall, it, it literally like halfway through it, it's right up to her shoulders, right up to her neck. And she gets swept away by the current. Uh, oh man. <sighs> Golly. That's so scary. Uh, she looks over and she sees the bank of the river and she just tries to crawl her way or swim her way, I guess, uh, to the to the edge. She gets to the edge. At this point, she's almost drowned. Um, and she's completely confused as to where she is. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really disorientating. That's oh. one of the things that happens when you get caught up in, in a waves or currents. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, does she, does um, she know like which side of the river she ended up on? At first, she had no idea. She was just completely turned around, completely confused. She takes a few minutes, and she does manage to figure out where she uh, ended up. And thankfully, she did end up on the right side of the river. So I guess, yeah, I guess that wouldn't be too hard as long as you know which way the river's flowing. You can tell when you get on one side, oh, if it's flowing that way, then I'm on this side of the river. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just takes a few minutes. Um, But I guess she she doesn't know like how far down the river. Right. Right. But uh, I I assume she knows her way around this area pretty well um, because she does eventually find her way. Um, But at this point, she's soaking. She's tired. She's cold. uh, But she continues on her journey uh, in the middle of the night. So... After several hours of traveling, she finally made it. She made it to uh, her brother's campground and met up with her brother and the troops. And here, this is just, this never ceases to amaze me. The troop had just come back from their own expedition. And so they were just completely exhausted. Mm. Um, Dicey, like, goes up to her brother and just begins to warn them all, hey, this uh, this band of criminals is about to come. But instead of like immediately heating and running away and like packing up, they explain to Dicey that they haven't had any food and they're starving. Oh, no. So, so guess what Dicey does? She literally builds a fire and she starts to make bread for them. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> she starts to just like bake right in the morning just to make sure that they all have some food. She's like, you're not going to take care of Just yourselves. Imagine, I will, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> imagine the brothers. They're like, look, I, we get it that you're like soaking wet, almost drowned, tw- walk 20 miles. But can you, can you make us some bread? <laughs> yeah. Like, he, like, yeah, I get the raid's about to happen, but I, my tummy's empty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's definitely exactly how it happened. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't want to. I don't yes. want to belittle the whole the whole situation. I know that they must. Yeah. You know, if they were yeah. starving, you know, you can't fight. Yeah. Or if yeah. you're exhausted, you know, it's really hard. But for yeah, sure, it's just, it makes sense. It is really almost ironic, pretty funny to me that. Uh, she would go all that way, and then suddenly she has to like yeah. bake for all of them. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, she can't have been thinking, you know, oh, I've got to get across this river, walk twenty miles. Oh, I've got better pack, pack my flour and my yeast. <laughs> man, I forgot get my, my flour. The, get my the river got all my flour yeah. wet, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she she does uh, bake. It's a type of cornbread that she breaks uh, bakes. For them, good old Southern corn. Oh, I know yeah. you gotta, you gotta love it. The fact that a Turkish man says that it tells you it's good. <laughs> <laughs> she she struggled for twenty miles to make that bread, yeah. <laughs> and um, so she does she does that, and she gives it to each of them, tells them to like eat it to go, 
And so they pack up at this point, it's probably like four or five in the morning and they, they pack up their stuff and then they just head out. Oh, so they're, so they're and, like fleeing from the raid that's coming. They're fleeing from the raid. They're going to another location. It didn't say where exactly they're going, but they go to another location. And this is the part of the research that I honestly had a hard time believing. A lot of the research said that Dicey made it back to her house in time for breakfast. What? What? Yes. Did they have breakfast at 4 p.m.? <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> did, she, did she bring cornbread for breakfast? Or yeah, I, I don't know if she was... Yeah, I, I don't even know what she was doing at that point. To, maybe she fast traveled or something like that. <laughs> In order for that to have happened, right? So she leaves, let's say, 9 p.m. the night before to go walk 20 miles. And you said it takes, what, like eight hours? She probably was moving a little faster. So maybe six. If she was hurrying. Okay, yeah. right. Let's do six or let's seven. Let's be generous and say it was six hours, okay? She <coughs> gets there at 3 or 4 a.m., bakes bread which probably takes at least an hour or two. I, Let's, mean, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> if we're being super generous again, she would ha- she would leave to go home at 6 a.m. And it takes another six hours unless she, I don't know, broke the marathon world record <laughs> and ran home in two yeah. hours. Yeah, <laughs> You know, there, there could be a lot of details we don't know about. But also we have to, I, I wonder if you founding this in your research, Samuel. I know a lot of the... The early war heroes of the Revolutionary War in American history were often, um, I don't want to say fabricated, but there was a lot of like, you know, these are our patriotic heroes. Let's kind yeah. of make their accounts right. very yeah, romanticized. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, that happened with Betsy Ross and the flag. There's, I, I listened to a great yeah. podcast. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. I, I, you know, I'm listening to the History of Rome podcast right now, and there are so many times where it's like clearly awful stuff happened to the emperors, yeah. but for propaganda reasons, they're like, oh, they just... You know, the gods were like, hey, just come be with us in heaven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what sure. Thinking, and yeah, so at this point, I, that's just kind of what I've assumed. It's like, that would be awesome if she found a way to do that. Uh, maybe Solomon was a very late sleeper and had breakfast at like <laughs> two or three in the afternoon. <laughs> Sounds unlikely for that time period, but you never know. Yeah, probably <laughs> unlikely. But you know yeah. what? It's a fun story regardless. Yeah, it's kind of a fun so, way yes. to end it. It's like, oh, and she made it back before breakfast. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like she a joke made, yeah. you'll add on to the end of the story. <laughs> it's like time. a nice little book yeah. that ties the story. <laughs> But the story doesn't completely end there. Mm. Hmm. So the thing is, at this point, so the next day, whenever the, the bloody scouts go and um, they they go and do their raid or they try to go do their raid, they end up there and absolutely no one is in the campground. But they can smell bread. <laughs> but there is bread in the air and they think... This was Dicey's game. Because I know that bread. I've, I've eaten corn and bread. I love like that, that bread. Before. And so I, we need to go back. I love that bread. I love that bread. Um, but no, that they um they didn't know it was her, actually. Uh, she she managed to do this without getting caught. Uh, however, at this point, the loyalists are absolutely fed up with what is going on. Uh, and so what happens is they start to crack down on any of the patriots in the area and they just start to um, just completely mistreat them, completely just isolate them because this is, um, I mean, this has been going on for as long as Dicey's been around. Yeah. Um, So a few months later, I'm not sure exactly what that length of time was, but uh, a few, I want to say a few months later, uh, the loyalists, uh, actually, the Bloody Scouts go to 
Solomon Langston's home with the intent to kill Solomon Langston and all of the males in his family. Uh, so they march into his home, but the only man who is in the house is Solomon because the rest of the brothers are obviously they're out fighting and they're uh, camping and doing, I don't know, right, they were, Dicey they, brother stuff. Rebel they were stuff, in the rebel. camp that had fled when Dicey came, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they really didn't spend much time at the house. Right. Uh, but Solomon was there and Solomon was a cripple. Oh. Uh, so he really had oh. no way to defend himself, which hasn't stopped the bloody scouts in the past. Mm. But um, so one of the men, uh, one of the men walks up to Solomon and he points a gun at his chest. And at this point, there's a commotion in the house. Dicey, who's also in the house, walks over and sees what's going on. And she lets out a shriek. And instead of running away from uh, this, this, uh, this commotion she runs towards it and she actually goes in between uh her father and the person who's holding the gun oh man i know Wait, and so she she puts herself in harm's way she literally just like stands right in front of the gun and um basically like says shoot me instead don't shoot don't shoot my dad mm. don't shoot my father uh shoot me instead Mm. Uh, but apparently one of the men who was in this group, uh, was a little bit more compassionate than some of the others in the, in the, in this, uh, scout, um, the bloody scouts. And so he's very impressed by this action and they basically decide that they're going to let them live. Man. Wow. Just mm. because of one action of, um, just getting in the way in the face of danger to try to save her father. That's incredible. Wow. I just pulled up a picture or a painting, it looks like, of this actual yeah. incident. And uh, we, maybe we should share that with our listeners on yeah. some social media. But that's really it cool. Is, it's a powerful, moving image, you know, see her standing bravely in front as the man holds out a pistol. Hmm. But wow, what, what an amazing scene. Right. Um, yeah, it is the first image, like when you look up, uh, Dicey Langston on Google or something like that, um, that will be the first image that you see. Uh, maybe there's like a little, I think there was a little like movie series that somebody did. So that face might uh, pop up too. <laughs> uh, but that that image that you're talking about, James, is the first one there. And it is a really uh, intriguing picture. So I don't know. There are a few more stories, but that is like really the big glimpse at who dicey is and yeah. her life and her image um like from this point onward she like continued to aid the patriots in any way she could she kind of went back to the spying life in a lot of ways um there was one time uh, a very similar experience actually to with her father she was riding down from a, a neighboring uh wig uh, like a patriot town and she was stopped by a troop of tories of the um of the loyalists uh, and they recognized her. They knew that she had been spying and giving information. So uh, they, <clears throat> they stopped her and they were like, you know, information and Dicey basically responded saying, uh, no, I don't, I don't know any information. And they go back and forth for a few minutes. That's and just funny. Yeah. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, you, I don't. You know, information. <laughs> no, no, you, I don't, I don't know any information. <laughs> no, you, um, but Eventually, like once again, she gets held at gunpoint uh, and she's been reported to say, shoot me if you dare. I will not tell you. Wow. 
That's so, dang. so brave. Man. This man, this woman had no chill. <laughs> just, she wow. at this point, she reminds me of Mad Jack, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. There's a common thread um, in our unsung heroes of late. The yeah. woman who knew nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but so this guy, as opposed to the other, the um, the other person, really did intend to shoot. But another person um, who was right beside this man who was about to shoot uh, decided that you know what, we really do need to have a compassion on this woman. She's being very brave. And so the guy who was right beside the man with the gun, he knocked the man's arm. Wow. And so while he was firing, apparently he missed because he got knocked. Oh. And so in the commotion, Dicey escaped. Wow. Nice. Dude. So <laughs> that's just so crazy. Like within That's like something from it, from a movie. Like the person It really does, gun, doesn't it? And then somebody like knocks the gun away as they shoot. Like that's so, I feel like if our podcast gives anything to anybody, it's gotta be movie ideas, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it does. It really does. But I could just imagine that entire scene in like slow motion. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last second but, hand grabs his hand and pushes it out of the way. You know, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but I, I really do feel like this captures who Dicey is and like just a little snippet. Yeah. I don't know. Sounds like I got a strong personality, you know, just yeah. unwillingness to budge. I love that. Right. Exactly. Um, but I, I don't know. Dicey Langston is a person who definitely will not back down uh, in any situation. Yeah. Um, wow. Daring Dicey. Da- yeah. Daring Dicey. That is the nickname that she has been given. Man. Wow. Um, I saw that. By all of oh. the Greenville, uh, all of the Greenville people who knew or who know her name, I guess. Wow. But by the end of the war, at this point, um, whenever the war is over, she basically gives up on her spying life. Uh, she she marries a man named Thomas Springfield. And before I tell you the next little bit of information, one thing that I uh, kept coming across while I was doing research on this is everybody kept talking about how they were related to Dicey. <laughs> oh. Like, like, like literally everyone is like, yeah, that's my great, great, great aunt. Or uh, like my, they wanted to have a claim to fame. Basically, like I want to show off like this is who uh, I'm related to. This is uh, my lineage. Um, that's so funny. So I, I kept coming across this like every other website I saw was like, honoring their great grandparents uh dicey wow. i mean if you go enough generations down you know everyone's gonna yeah. be related at some point so well i yeah. doubt i'm trying to think i doubt any of the four of us are because let's think no. i'm from south africa so probably not daniel's from turkey so definitely yeah. <laughs> she was called laodicea so, so, at least he's got you know. my james my family is they, from they Louisiana, came, right? Yeah, but and then yeah. a lot of my family were Irish. They came later after this. Time okay, period. yeah. And then so the ones who were what about you, Sam? Up, I don't know. So honestly, I'm from all over the place, so I really couldn't tell you. Yeah. So possibly, Maybe she is. I think I'm going to say possibly so, for Sam, <laughs> possibly for me as I'm, well. Of the down. four of us, yes, probably like uh, I have the closest claim to fame here. <laughs> Is what we're saying. Uh, clearly. <laughs> yeah. No, but as I was doing research on this, I was just completely confused as to why I kept seeing this. Uh, then I looked this up and I found out she had 22 kids. Oh. oh. What? Daniel, your chances just went up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 22 kids. Yes. She had 22 kids and suddenly what? 
All before breakfast. <laughs> All before breakfast. That's so funny. <laughs> no, okay, wait, hold on. So my wife is from uh, is from Easley, South Carolina, which is in the Greenville area. So she's definitely related. <laughs> so it's entirely Absolutely. possible. Like she can trace her family. She was just on Ancestry the other day. She can trace her family back to the Revolutionary War era, wow. like that far back in that area. Right. I wonder because my wife's also from I the am, same area. Yeah, so, I mean, oh. dude, she she's yeah. like the Genghis Khan of like, that area. <laughs> she really <laughs> is. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if every person in Greenville knows somebody who related. is related to yeah. Dyson. <laughs> it's like a ninth of every person there is a <laughs> yeah. descendant of her. That's funny. Hello, I'm Samuel. I'm related to Dicey Links. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, um, man. That's really cool. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, she eventually she moves up to Traveler's Rest uh, and spends most of her life uh, just hanging out there, probably spying on the neighbors. And, uh, <laughs> the rest of her life. Whenever she brings out the laundry basket out, yeah, everybody just, just like, like moves to the next town. <laughs> During the War of 1812, they're like, we want to bring you out of retirement. She's like, no, my days are gone. Like, I'm, too, I'm too old for this. Too old to be folding laundry anymore. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's funny. But... Um, but at the age of 71, uh, she passed away. Mm. So, wow. So again, so, uh, last week, Robert Abram Bartlett lived to 70. Now, uh, um, Dicey Langston to 71. So, um, yeah, we'll see if, if next week we have somebody make it to 72. <laughs> 72. We'll see. Yeah. We'll have to keep like a running track of the record. Yeah. Who lives the oldest? Mm. Yeah. We can have an average age or lifespan of here on some yeah. There we go. Well, I have a feeling that eventually we'll get people who, you know, died pretty young, depending on what they are a hero for. Right. Um, That's a good point. You know, they might. And honestly, honestly, I'm not surprised that. Well, I am surprised that Dicey lived to be that. Okay, well, you old. should have known when you found out she had 20 kids, right? Like she has right. to live yeah, yeah. Or I mean, she has yeah, to live yeah. a lot of, you know, years to be able to have that many kids. So. Yeah. That's true. She didn't have them all at once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next year she had 20 kids. <laughs> that is interesting though that all three heroes we've done so far like they lived their lives, they did their thing and then they just went back yeah. home and yep. Lived, you know, lived out the rest of their lives. And what's interesting um, for this hero in particular, Dicey, she, the majority of her heroic actions happened when she was a teenager. Right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Which is just completely fascinating to me. I mean, honestly, even more heroic. She had 20-something kids <laughs> after her. So. You, you moms out there will, will relate. That's that's true heroism. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. No, seriously. 100%. Yeah. Wow. This. Now, to get this, like, I don't know. I don't want to like go too far down this road, but just think about what had happened, like what could have happened if that person didn't miss. Yeah, Stra- mm, my wife like- not be might not be here now. If that- <laughs> I know Daniel I, I might know not be here right now. I mean, what- <laughs> there's a slim chance <laughs> I might not be here. Yeah. I I would wow. still be here, but I don't know. It's just like it's crazy to think of uh, her lineage and her story and how that's had such a big effect on. Uh, probably thousands of people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, and I mean, uh, you know, depending on the information that she w- relayed in her spying, it could have, you know, greatly affected the rest of the war. Yeah, uh, depending on right, what it exactly. was. But it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I really want to go visit her monument now. I'll be yeah. hopefully up in the area soon, so it'll oh, be really? kind of cool to to go see that. I'd yeah. be interested. Yeah. Well, yeah. all right. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Sam, for doing all that research yeah. and uh, and talking about her. Yeah, thank you, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. That's great. Say. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it's very interesting to hear about uh, somebody from that time, 
you know, ho- hopefully we'll be able to keep doing some different time periods and different uh, areas of the world and stuff. But, uh, you know, thanks. Thanks, Sam, for doing all that. Um, it's very, very interesting story. So very cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, thanks to our audience for sticking around. Uh, James and I are going to get to work on another song here about Dicey Langston. So oh, yeah. that should play right after this. So uh, stick around for maybe like 30 seconds or so and it'll start. Um, <laughs> and we'll be posting the Dicey cornbread recipe at uh, the bottom. Okay. In the oh, I totally box. wish. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> we have that's to first right. go 20 miles before. We yeah, that. right. That, right. That's right. the best way to eat the bread, you know. It's definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Anyway, thanks so much for listening, uh, everybody, and we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye, everyone. Dicey would not stand idly by While family fought for freedom and home Whilst doing her laundry on loyal sheets by For the patriot cause tells secrets unknown Bloody Bill came with a murderous desire With no one to tell, only Dicey would know She snuck from her house, braving Solomon's ire In the dark of the night, many miles she'd go Through fast-rushing rivers, darkness and trees She readied her brothers and thwarted his schemes No gun could dissuade her from saving her own by her descendants shall ever be known Heart, brave and true She was home for breakfast too Run through the night For their lives she'd sacrifice Heart, brave and true She was home for breakfast too Run through the night For their lives she'd sacrifice Rushing rivers, darkness and trees She readied her brothers and thwarted his schemes No gun could dissuade her from saving her own By her descendants shall